We're happy to welcome today Peter Wacker, the President and CEO of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, and excited to discuss with him uh, the partnership between WBCSD and IMD, and in particular, the acceleration of the transformation of business and society to its greater sustainability. Welcome, Peter. Thanks, David. About a year ago, WBCSD released Vision 2050 as a roadmap to enabling 9 billion people to live well within planetary boundaries. Um, how has it been received? It's uh, been very well received. Uh, the launch itself was good, but more importantly, since its launch, I've been in more than 70 boards of companies worldwide. And it's remarkable to see, A, how well received the message is, but also how willing companies now are to really embrace the message and see how they can integrate it into their strategies. You've been working on these issues for a long time. You've led WBCSD for over a decade. How have these conversations changed over the past several years with boards and with CEOs? Well, in simple words, you know, when I joined WBCSD 10 years ago, it was really a conversation about why are we talking about this? Uh, then it moved to, well, what, what do we need to do? Today, the conversation is totally about how do we make these changes? So the fact that climate change is urgent or biodiversity loss needs to be in the agenda, the fact that inequality is a rising topic now everywhere, that's widely accepted. The how do we actually decarbonize the business, the how to be nature positive, what is the contribution that business can make to inequality issues, that's really now the conversation. So it's more operational, it's way more integrated into strategy where in the past it would be like CSR on the side of the core business. It's what will transform business and business models in the coming decade. And what do you think has driven that greater recognition that this needs to be central? Is it just the, the awareness of the extent of the challenges or is there something about the attitude shifts among stakeholders that is really creating a, an even stronger business case than before? I think it's a mix of a few things. I think science has become indisputable now. Science a few years ago was like a conversation about something in a computer model at the end of this decade. And weather events have really overtaken that. You know, it's now everywhere, forest fires, droughts, floods, uh, much stronger tornadoes. So the events are there. I think to top it off, the COVID pandemic has really shown the world a couple of things, how ill-prepared business is for these massive shocks how completely interconnected all these issues are. And I think the combination of science, events, pandemic, uh, and the pandemic, not just in an abstract, but coming to everybody's door. You know, we all have either had COVID or know people who, who struggled with it. So it's become much more real. Um, on top of that, what you now begin to see is the capital markets are beginning to price in the risks. So it's also no longer just, yeah, there's the sustainability guide telling you a story. It's now the capital markets begin to ask questions. So this whole mix of factors is now changing. And that is really making this a boardroom topic of, of the highest priority. So you mentioned capital markets. For some time, one could argue that the customers, perhaps, or at least some of them, have scrutinized businesses, that employees have increasingly, particularly the younger ones, made choices about where they want to work. The emergence of investors as a, a powerful stakeholder pushing companies to its greater sustainability seems to be perhaps the most recent development on the stakeholder side. Can you say a little bit more about the conversations you have with boards, with companies, and how they're 
feeling that pressure from their investors? Yeah, it's rapidly changing. You know, give you an example. Three years ago, I was in the board of an automotive company. Um, and there was an investor in that same meeting as where I was. And I, of course, was arguing, you need to electrify, you need to stop building combustion engines. The guy said, well, you can't do that because combustion engines are your cash flow driver. You need to continue to invest in those. Three years forward, today, the roadshow of that same company, the same CFO, is all about how much are you still investing in combustion engines because it's a stranded asset. We want you to go full electric. So uh, it's become a real conversation now, admittingly, primarily at the moment on climate change. So I don't think biodiversity and certainly inequality are not yet at the same level in capital market conversations, but the fact that capital markets understand the risk, start pricing in the risk, start looking at which business models are gonna be stranded is now everywhere. And for most boards, uh, that's still the primary audience they use to make changes. Next to that, you know, you've seen some very interesting examples of the younger population amongst the employees or their own children at the kitchen table, but also uh, very new legal threats that are emerging. So NGOs and others having taken companies to court and companies having lost the court cases, forcing them to more ambitious plans is another trend that is beginning to pop up. So it's it's not just capital markets, even though that's a primary audience for many boards, but it's a completely changing landscape at the moment. You mentioned inequality uh, several times. Obviously, one area you and your colleagues at WBCSD have emphasized is this notion of a just transition. Mm. But it's not just about the sort of decarbonization of the economy that has to be just and has to be inclusive. You've really identified economic inequality as an important aspect of sustainability. Can you say a little bit about how you got to that? And again, how the conversations with CEOs in particular are about economic uh, inequality and, and opportunity? Yeah, I think for me personally, the one of the, the those aha moments were the yellow vests in France. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, seven cents on a lit liter of diesel as a tax to you know, encourage people to make cleaner choices from a climate change point of view, from a sustainability point of view, is a great measure. But then all of a sudden you see this uprise saying, wow, we don't accept that you have for years convinced us to take diesels. We live in rural parts of France. Now you're going to make our life much more expensive and that's unacceptable. And that was just one of those flashpoints that you think, wow, you know, you, it's not that easy to make an environmentally right measure socially accepted and why is that and then you look around the world and you see these hot spots of social unrest everywhere racial in one part of the world you know just poverty in another part of the world the divide between rural and urban in in other parts and so this is a much wider spread uh, phenomena and so uh, yeah just transition is is one of those examples that if we do not take people along in the transitions then people will rejected. And again, the pandemic is showing us some really interesting lessons in, in that respect. But it's now much more. You know, last year, 2021, there was the UN Food System Summit. For the first time, the UN bringing all countries in the world together to talk about the need to transform the food system. One of the big notions there is, how can we make sure that we pay a living wage across all of the supply chains? And that's, how could you protest that? 
You know, who would be against paying living wage to anyone? But then you ask a CEO, well, why don't you do that? And then the answer is, well, we don't really know what we pay people today. Conceptually, we're fine with the notion, but, you know, is it a million, 10 million, a billion? We don't know. And so that's an area where I think we really need to put a lot of focus. So we've launched a big initiative, the Business Commission to Tackle Inequality, which really in the next year, in this year, hopes to create what is the narrative and what are the action areas that we should really try to develop for business. Driving to its greater sustainability requires partnering across sectors, across institutions. Government, of course, also has a really important role to play when it comes to climate change, to biodiversity, to inequality. A number of activists and scientists were disappointed by the commitments made in Glasgow. Mm. How can the business community encourage government to be bolder on climate change, on biodiversity, but also on economic inequality? Well, I think first and foremost by just acting. So it's, I think the role of business is uh, to, to really show the way. I think you know, the, the, the issue with sustainability and, and climate is no different. It's too often seen as a doom and gloom story, whereas I actually think it's the biggest technological innovation opportunity that business has ever had. And that's where an enormous potential to differentiate from competitors uh, will emerge. By acting, and not just by making commitments. Commitments are an important part, but you need solid operating plans, action. Then you need the new initiatives around the accounting rules to show that you're actually making progress. And as we're making progress, we should find mechanisms to show to government that business is now really making the change happen. We all know that take climate in Glasgow, 70% of the emissions in the world are private sector originated emissions. If we can create solid action, transparent progress reporting on that action to tell governments that 70% of the emissions are now being tackled, then we have a credible position to say, hey government, now we need to do more. The time to play the game if only government would put in place a certain policy or if only business was going to do something, there's no more time for that game. We just must create credibility by action and then start the conversation on what do we need from government. And, and in fact, you're seeing, you mentioned automobiles before, some of the companies that really have been embracing electrification now lobbying to actually phase out internal combustion yeah. engines because it makes, it makes business sense and it's important for the climate. And I, on that particular example, you know, so, so basically what we try to argue in Vision 2050, there's lots of transformations needed, lots of collaboration needed, but the mindset needs to be one of system transformation. So yes, uh, an automotive company can, and some indeed have set very ambitious targets to move to electrification, to decarbonize, to stop using combustion engines. But let's assume that in 2030, in some of the developed markets, we're 100% EV in the new fleets. Are we sure we have enough renewable energy to charge these vehicles? Do we have enough charging points to keep them all moving around? So collaboration is massively important. And part of that is public collaboration. And part of it will be companies across a value chain. So, yeah, it's, it's just a massively interesting decade this year. You've spoken about how this transformation requires 
different leadership skills, a different mindset among leaders. Talk a little bit about that. How do leaders need to be different? What are the skills, the attributes, the abilities that they need that perhaps we haven't emphasized as much in the past? Yeah, I think we've identified three mindsets that need to shift. The first one is we need to reinvent capitalism. And that to me is the cornerstone of the whole Vision 2050. The second one is we need to really bake resilience into our thinking. And again, the pandemic is the best example. Supply chains in the world still today are struggling to deliver enough chips for cars to be built or whatever topics it may be. But that is because they were not prepared for the shock. And the third one, and that is an important one, in order to restore nature's uh, capacity to support us all, is we need to have a regenerative business model, not the take, make waste model, but the circular models, way different agricultural practices need to emerge. But those two, resilience and regenerative, will really be driven by the new form of capitalism. That, in my mind, is going to be the biggest change for business leaders. Yes, we need to continue to perform financially well, and therefore shareholder capitalism will remain a part of the mix. But we need to understand and be able to manage and improve the environmental and the social impacts of our business. And not in the traditional triple bottom line type of way, but in a truly integrated management style. And you've said that that requires courage of leaders. Why is courage so central? Well, because you, we're going to have to fundamentally challenge everything we do. Um, take the automotive company. We, we've talked about it now a few times, but you know, you've been building diesel engines for the last hundred years. You're making your bread and butter in doing so. And now somebody is telling you, guess what? By 2030, probably I would argue by 2026, we will not build any combustion engines anymore. We're going to go electric, we're going to go hydrogen, whatever the solutions may best be. Young people may not want to own companies anymore. They will use share uh, type of uh, models. Uh, one day, uh, cars can drive themselves. That will completely change the business model. We may sell fewer vehicles who can do way more things and are utilized much better. And that takes courage to look that, stare that into the face and say, what does that mean for my company? Am I still a company that produces cars or is the mobility service? So business models will radically change. The commitments you're expected to make to really integrate the environmental and the social impacts of your business models will lead to drastic transitions. Most business boards, I would hope, are able to assess if they focus on it, what are the environmental and social issues we need to deal with in our current model? And we'll be able to assess 10, 15 years from now, what should be the sole situation. But the transition from here to there, that's where the magic will happen. And, and that's where courage will be needed. Because, you know, telling your investors, hey, my business model today is actually broken. My business model is a decade out is pretty clear. But what's going to happen in the cash flow in between? We need to work together. That's where courage comes in. WBCSD has decided to partner with IMD, has agreed to partner with IMD uh, in placing sustainability at the very core of our MBA program. What is the role of management education to support that critical set of transitions? 
Yeah, well, it's not just WBCSD has agreed. IMD has also agreed to partner with WBCSD, which I think is breakthrough announcements. Because what I've just argued, you know, if you truly want to get to an integrated form of capitalism, an integrated set of economic incentives for business, that means all of a sudden that leaders of business need to be able not just to manage the cash flow statement and optimize that, but also understand and manage the environmental and the social aspects of business. Not as a module on the side of an MBA program, but integrated into the core of the program. And I'm very fortunate to be invited to speak at your MBA 2022 class. And my message is gonna be, this is the decade of transformation. The people who now sit in the IMD MBA program that is gonna try to put this at the core of what we teach people, are the people who are going to be the leaders when the transformation is unfolding. So it's critically important. Um, when I joined WBCSD back in 2012, I said we need two things. We need the accountants to save the world. That's the whole space of ESG. That's beginning to really develop. And we need to educate leaders differently, more broadly, more integrative. And I'm incredibly excited to see what the partnership between IMD and WBCSD can bring. So, so are we, and, and you know, we're grateful for the trust, and you know, we're we're thrilled to bring really the the frontier, the vanguard of management practice that you all bring together in the work with these leading enterprises into our classroom. Maybe just one final question along those lines: If you sort of had to say, you know, what parts of of what needs to change in the education is sort of on the leadership side versus systems thinking versus the more technical uh, skills. How do you sort of map that out? I would say probably on two areas. Indeed, the system thinking. Mm. Um, and the system the system really meant as the system. You can look at the company as a system, but I think it's going to be essential that we change value chains. So that normally goes way beyond the boundaries of one company. So how do you really collaborate across value chains, across countries? How do you think about the purpose of a business in that system? That's one area where people need to get more comfortable. And then technically, we really need to train leaders in being comfortable in ESG. And I don't mean the 22 KPIs that uh, someone has developed or the ISSB framework, whatever it may become. Truly understanding what does it take to improve the environmental or the social performance of my business. If I really want to bring my company to zero carbon by 2040, what does it mean in terms of business models, technology innovation, workforce inclusion, or very importantly, customer demand generation? Because my fear is a bit, um, capital market is beginning to ask more questions. But the core of the valuation model has not yet been changed, so it's still DCF-based. And my other fear is we're all pretty blind to how do we change customer demand. Because there's a big difference, and, and I'm as guilty as anyone, of being a conscious citizen and the actual consumption choices that people make. And we business are the people who spend advertising dollars and we're very shy in using those dollars to make people aware of better choices they could make. And unless we break these two codes, capital market valuation and customer demand generation, 
we're not going to generate the speed of change that the world needs. I'm sure in the MBA program, there will be lots of work around marketing, but what's marketing of sustainability solutions? What is valuation of sustainable investment plans? How do we do this? And there's so much to be explored and learned, and it must be exciting to be an MBA student at this point in time. Absolutely. And, and it cuts across all the different functions, as, as you said. Thank you so much for joining us, for inspiring and challenging us and our students, uh, for the leadership uh, that you provide uh, at WBCSD and for this great partnership. Thank you, Peter. Thank you.